Welcome to this edition of Human Ears. My name is Dan Pierce, content strategist here at Big Wide Sky, and I am joined by Eric Pradham. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Big Wide Sky and Dan's co-host, and we are joined by Stacy Tabman, new VP of Strategy here at Big Wide Sky. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. It is fantastic to have you, Stacy. We've heard so much about you. We're really, really excited to have you here on Human Ears. We're really excited to get to work with you. All good things. We're just over the moon that you have decided to join us. Well, it feels like a dream job, right? So I, I can't wait to dive in and talk more about you know what I'm up to and what you guys are up to. And I just feel very blessed to, uh, to be here today. Definitely, definitely. Well, speaking of what you're up to, tell us a little bit about your background. <laughs> I've had quite an interesting background. If we go way back, I was actually a high school math teacher. Uh, part of the reason I'm so excited to be at Big Wide Sky is I sort of feel as, like it's blending all of my background, right? I have my degree in math, so I love strategy and very analytical. Then I got my master's in school counseling, so the psychology and counseling piece of it. And then I went on to become a serial entrepreneur and was a founder CEO of a couple different companies and one that I was scaling and growing nationwide, Rise Collaborative Workspace. And so definitely learned a lot of business through hard knocks. So it's nice to sort of marry the world here at Big Wide Sky of mathematical, analytical, psychology with the counseling and now my business knowledge. Awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, y- you mentioned being a math teacher <laughs> um, and then you mentioned counseling. So, yeah. uh, if, if I recall correctly, you have, is it two master's degrees? Right? <laughs> I was a kid that didn't know what you wanted to be when I grew up. So, you know, what most of us do is we just start collecting degrees, right? I, I have an undergraduate degree in both math and math education. Cause I remember sitting there thinking in one of my math classes, I either want to be a CEO of some company and I'll get a math degree and go the business route, or I want to be a high school principal by the time I'm 28. And so at the young age of 19 or 20, I had that crazy idea. And so went the teacher principal route and got my master's in school administration by the time I was 20, I, I interned at like 26 as a high school math teacher to a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds. <laughs> you know, so you can only, I don't know what you were like at 26, but I, I find it quite comical that at 26, I thought that that was a appropriate fit for me telling teachers, you know, twice my age, how to be a good teacher. And then uh, telling 17 and 18 year olds, here's your detention or, you know, you're suspended because you screwed up. Uh, so clearly that was a unique experience that I ultimately felt like it would be much more fun to be the good guy instead of handing the detentions. I wanted to talk about life and help them figure out why they were making those decisions. So I went back and got a second master's. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's interesting. We, we actually have some of that uh, sort of in common. I actually did some pre-service teaching for eighth grade at one point uh, through Jefferson Junior High in Columbia, Missouri, where I was teaching oh. English. Oh, cool. Yeah, eighth yeah. grade's a unique year. I taught eighth grade a couple of times for two years. <laughs> it's definitely a unique time for kids. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They always kept me on my toes. Yep. It's a good it's a good way to cut your teeth in education. I remember the first day I taught eighth grade, it was a uh, two thousand one, so right before nine eleven. 
Uh, and I remember my first, you know, I was like 23 and my first day, these eighth graders, this one kid was bound to determine to see if he could make me cry. And I was like, there ain't no way you're making me cry. You're getting out of my room, (laughs) but they can smell fear. And you learn very quickly how to think on your feet. Absolutely. Uh, I unfortunately cannot speak much to teaching, not not in uh, (laughs) the way that either of you can. Uh, I do however, share the uh, uh, educational focus, let's say. Uh, you know, I ended up, I spent eight years in college, um, got my bachelor's and two master's degrees. And, you know, Elliot, he tells a story. What is it? He he got his bachelor's, he double majored in, oh, was cool. it music and philosophy or something like that? And he says- <laughs> It does not surprise me one bit. Exactly. He used to put on his resume uh, something like he was determined to be unemployable or something of that nature. <laughs> and um, I think uh, with, with mine, I got my bachelor's in German, master's in German. And then I realized that, you know, uh, university uh, German teachers, well, one, there aren't a lot of those jobs. Uh, and two, they don't tend to make a lot of money. Um, right. So I was going to go on and get my PhD in German and then end up doing something else anyway. So I changed direction. Um, fortunately, in your case, Stacy, it sounds like uh, you had a path, despite, you know, going into uh, education and then eventually changing, you know, and you said you went into entrepreneurship as well. Uh, you, you had, you had a little bit more, uh, intentionality, let's say. Uh, uh, you're giving me a little bit more credit than I deserve, but here's what I often tell people. I think you need to be clear in your why, but flexible in your how and your what. So what I mean by that is, you know, I've always had this weird desire to make a huge impact and to help change lives, right? That's, that's always, you know, that's in the movies like Stand and Deliver or Freedom Riders, you know, and the person sobbing in the movie theater being like, yes, that's, that's what I want to do, right? And so, you know, what, how that looks is different through the years. But at the end of the day, what the driving mechanism is still, I want to change lives. So it just, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing in a different way. So yeah, be clear in your why, but flexible in your how and your what. I really appreciate that. I I am also very glad that you reference Freedom Riders. It is a <laughs> it is a it's a great movie. Hillary yeah, Swank's man. great in that. Yes. Yeah, and one of the more common themes of Big Wide Sky, and you'll learn this, is that I haven't seen a lot of movies that a lot of these people keep referencing and stuff like sure. that. So it's so refreshing for <laughs> me to hear a movie that I know. That go. Eric immediately recognizes in my eyes to be like, wait, 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 wait. Someone's talking about a movie and Dan knows what it is. <laughs> Score. Yes. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. So it's been a unique journey. So in some ways I had intentionality. In other ways, life has set me on the path that it set me on. And it's just serendipitous how things work out and, and how I ended up at Big White Sky. Definitely unexpected, but feels like the perfect fit. Awesome. Well, so how did you end up going from uh, being a teacher, you know, being in education to entrepreneurship then? This is a great question. You know, there's this question I remember when I first started that I would get a lot is whether or not I think entrepreneurs are born or made. And for a long time, I would have told you, you know, look, I was raised in a family of very risk adverse people. Uh, so I don't know where I got this entrepreneur bug, right? 
fast forward, um, without getting too in the weeds, you know, I now have had some surprises in life and 23andMe has taught me some interesting things. And I now know that my genetic father is actually someone who is a serial entrepreneur. So I now realize that it's always been in my blood and what I was meant to do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, you know, as a kid, I was making different things and selling them and all sorts, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur from a very long time. I just wouldn't have called it that. But as a teacher, after two masters and two undergraduate degrees and either thing feeling like the right fit, you kind of are left floundering. And life sends you loud messages, sometimes nice ones and other times not so nice ones. Um, at my school, a young woman, uh, July 4th, 2012, actually died by suicide. And she hung herself at her best friend's party. And that was very, uh, you know, it definitely threw all... It, it was challenging, right? It caught us off guard. It was, it just had a lot of really terrible ripple effects, right? And for me, it was a tipping point of not, enough's enough. High school is a very tough time for kids, both boys and girls. I just don't understand the boy challenges as much as I understand the girl challenges, right? And so that suicide is sort of what set me on this path of I got to do something. You know, high school is not fun, and how can I make a difference? How can I change lives? And so in January 2013, I actually, while teaching full-time, launched my first company, which was called Girls Dreaming Big. It was a tutoring and coaching company for high school girls. I figured, you know, I'll take my math skills, I'll take my counseling skills, and I'll just create things to support them on their journey. And I am I was standing up and teaching math during the day, right? And then after I taught like the quadratic formula or something nerdy like that, the girls would be sitting, my target market, if you will, would be sitting around my desk because um, they were, you know, they were struggling. That was a, it had a big ripple effect on a lot of the students. Um, and so it, it was lovely to be able to teach math and then ask them what they needed and then create it. That's interesting. So, um, gosh, I, I can imagine so <laughs> many different connections to some of the things that we do at Big Wide Sky in terms of how groups work and how people develop and, and influence one another and any number of things, uh, you know, regardless of the fact that we are often working in uh, decent-sized businesses and nonprofits, and, you know, you were in a high school setting, the setting may be different, but there's still, I'm sure, a lot of commonalities. Um, before going there, though, I'm curious how much with your counseling degree did you, uh, did you, were you able to just kind of jump right into being that advisor, let's say, versus some of the things that you learned along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, you know, once a teacher, always a teacher, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you sort of just jump in and that's just a natural place to be and to listen. You know, it's counseling is all about active listening and just trying to hear what's really going on and hear beneath the surface of what they're saying versus what's actually happening. So I think that was a natural fit. I think the evolution for me was learning the, the business terminology. What I've found through the years is every industry has its own language, right? So teaching has their acronyms and ways they say things. Business has that nonprofit world. Every world sort of has its own way of communicating. And so, uh, you know, the, the way of thinking often is very transferable. You just have to learn the new vocab, if you will. And so that, I think, was the learning opportunity for me. I, I totally relate to that. Um, one thing about my background coming from journalism and working in newspapers for about three years or so, uh, the first time in a marketing role where someone said, oh, make sure to put a CTA at the bottom. 
<laughs> I had to be like, and I know what this is, yeah. but just in case there are other people in the room that don't know what this is. <laughs> totally. Can you please inform them? Yeah. You, you know, know. I love, yeah. I, and, and yes, the acronyms are always quite funny that, you know, call to action, you know, I wouldn't have known that years ago. It's that. So the acronyms are interesting. And then weirdly, certain words were confusing for me, like leverage. I don't know why, but I could not wrap my head around what in, in business people love to use that word. Like, oh, you have to leverage your knowledge. Or le and for whatever weird reason, that didn't click. And then also wrapping my head around what is a brand that took me a hot minute too, right? You know, is it a logo? Is it a website? What exactly does brand mean? And now, obviously, years down the road, six years later, I love building brands and understand what brands are. But when you first start, you're like, what exactly? Because certain words are a little bit more abstract and harder to wrap your head around. And so it took me a hot minute. This is one of the few areas where my German background did help me <laughs> out because, yeah. uh, sorry, it, it, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be my German background, but uh, because the, to brand like an animal, for example, is the same word in um, German. Branden is to brand um, and spelled the same and all that. Uh, but for some reason, when I learned that in German, I always had this visual of, uh, you know, sticking something on someone, uh, so, you know, like an animal, like they cannot get away from this brand <laughs> now. Um uh, and again, for, sort of for some reason, then when I thought of branding in business, marketing, whatever uh, context exactly, I thought, oh, well, we've just put something on someone that they carry with them or that they can't get away from. That's one of the few things that I carried over. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, hey, whatever works, right? You just yeah. go with well, it. So I have some familiarity, very little familiarity uh, with this. So I would love for you to... Uh, let us know about it. But you mentioned Rise. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, from some of what I do know about Rise, I am guessing there's a little bit of a connection between uh, what you, you know, the seed perhaps of, of trying to help young women um, and, and perhaps some other things. So I would love, you know, if you would let everybody know uh, what Rise is, what you were doing there, all that. Yeah. And how it came to be, it sounds like. So, yeah. you know, Girls Dreaming Big Story in January 2013, while I was teaching full time, we had momentum out of the gate. It was a great time. In 2012, at the end, is when Cheryl said Sandberg's TED Talk went live and viral. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She's over at uh, Meta, if you will, these days. And, um, you know, she wrote a book called Lean In after her TED Talk went viral. And look, Lean In has its flaws. Everyone can have an opinion about it, but it was very pivotal at that time of, you know, it's, it started a conversation that needed to start and definitely it was a catalyst for me. Luckily, the time, you know, in business, it's all about timing. So that lean in momentum starting at the same time as I'm starting a high school tutoring and coaching company for high school girls was great. So much so that I ended up on her website and for like a day, my face was on her website next to Oprah and Ryan Seacrest. So I was like, proud moment, right? Like I took a screenshot and I showed my students and I was like, look, my face is next to Oprah. Like this is like the biggest deal of my life. And the students were like, who cares about Oprah? Look at Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I was like, who cares about Ryan Seacrest? So it was kind of a funny moment in my journey. But in business, look, it's all about timing. And, and I, my timing was great. So much so that I felt like I could leave education at the end of that school year and really focus on Girls Dreaming Big because I had the momentum. Uh, and it's funny how this logic of, oh, well, when I have all the time to focus on it, it's going to really take off, right? 
was flawed uh, because what I didn't factor into it is the human side of business, right? That when you leave your comfort of having a place to go, your peers, all the things you know and love, that when you're by yourself at your home, it's not trying to do something new that you've never done and you have no one around you. It's not shocking that I paralyzed with fear and me and Netflix became really good friends. And you would think I was a trust fund kid because I was doing a lot of Netflixing. Yes, it's a verb now. And, um, you know, my salary is going to end in August and in June, I didn't leave that couch. So I had to find a way to get off the couch. And I started interviewing smart, strong, successful women in St. Louis. I now know I was doing unintentional qualitative market research, but of course that language wasn't there yet. And, you know, one coffee meeting turned into two, which turned into 10. And before you knew it, I had interviewed 300 women in my first year of doing Girls Dreaming Big. And what I realized is they needed and wanted what I needed and wanted. They wanted to give back to the next generation. They wanted opportunities to connect with like-minded people. You know, when you're striving and you're ambitious and you go about life a little bit differently, it can be lonely. And so having those people to connect with those networks. And then lastly, coffee shops are great. There's a lot of business being done in coffee shops. And yet they're incredibly flawed, right? Like who watches, there's some weird nuances. Like who watches your laptop when you go to the bathroom? You know, do you ask the stranger? You know, like why are they any safer? Uh, and, you know, I have this big important meeting and there's no seat or there's a screaming child or a dog, what have you, all the fun nuances of coffee shops. So what I did is I took those three things and I said, I need to create a new business that solves those and ties all those pieces together. And that was the impetus of when Rise Collaborative was born, this idea of a place that not only gives you a beautiful workspace, gives you the opportunity to get back to the next generation through our mentor program, connecting high school girls with professional women. And then lastly, we put on weekly programming um, to create networking and growth opportunities for our members. That's, that's really cool. Well, so you, uh, gosh, there, there are a number of things that I would love to dive into, but um, I, you, to, to let you tell your story, you know, and not interrupt it too much. Um, so you were you founded Rise Collaborative in St. Louis, right? Correct. And then you expanded into Denver. Um, yes. And what was your experience like? What was your 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 uh, timeline? I mean, any number of All things. The things. Uh, All the things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting going from a tutoring coaching company is a is a very service based business. It's a single person business, right? Going from that to starting a business, Rice Collaborative, that is uh, much more intensive, right? I had to learn how to raise capital. I had to find a building. I had to build it out. I had to sell memberships. I had to hire staff, right? So that took me a, a minute. You know, I had the idea at the end of 13, 14. I launched the company in 2015, had this huge company launch party on this rooftop deck in Clayton, this apartment complex, had like 23 sponsors, four speakers, and 50 guests. I mean, I made it this big production, right? And I stood up and I was like, opening rise early next year, you know, because I thought I'm going to launch my company in September and I'm going to open the doors in January 2016, September 2015 to 16. 
that's a beautiful example of how founder CEOs are sometimes blissfully naive to what it actually takes to get something off the ground. Uh, I joke, you know, I was right about early time of the year, but I was off by a full year. And it's funny because people who actually knew what they were doing were like, oh, your timeline's a little aggressive. And I kept thinking, well, they just don't know me. (laughs) Well, no, it's that I didn't know all the things that it takes to do more of a real estate play. But we got it open in January 2017. We were cash flow positive from day one. So that was a huge accomplishment. And partly because I had been screaming from the rooftops since September 2015 about this, that actually played to my favor. So by the end of that year, we started working on national expansion, and Denver was our first stop. I had never set foot in Colorado before February 2018, and signed a lease in September of 2018, got the doors open in April 2019. And had 500 members between two cities and cash flow positive February 2020. So it was a pretty cool accomplishment, but we know where this is going. And I end up at Big Wide Sky, so we definitely see what happened. The world imploded, right, March 2020. And a real estate play that focused on women when women were disproportionately impacted. I mean, everyone was impacted by the, the pandemic, but because of women often taking on the brunt of childcare, it definitely had an even bigger impact on the women's side. So having a real estate play and a women-focused real estate play definitely was uh, hit pretty hard. Uh, so there's, I guess that that takes me a little bit to one of the things I was curious about. Um, one of my personal interests is community. Uh, how people build communities, what you get out of them in particular when you're developing, you know, when you're a child, um, the various ways in which communities break down. Um, A a book that meant a lot to me was Bowling Alone, which was, I believe, published in 1999. I think uh, Robert Putnam wrote it, if I recall correctly. Um, And, you know, a lot has gone on in terms of uh, sociological research, uh, uh, psychology, any number of things between 1999 and now. But it meant a lot to me because it just kind of opened up. Sorry, I think I found in that book explanations for what I felt like was going on in particular in social media and how people seemed to be interacting uh, less Face to face, you know, people are staring more at their phones, and and like any number of things, you could you could uh, find some confirmation bias or whatever in any part of the world, more than likely. But uh, it sounds to me like uh, a number of things that you have been drawn to have mm-hmm. centered around building community or yes. uh, giving, in particular, women uh, a, a the the benefits of adopting a community or building a community, um, which in a number of ways, these things then tie back to some of the things that you, I believe, are going to be working on at Big Wide Sky. (laughs) No, Uh, I'm really excited about that. You know, as a teacher, it was about going back to what you were saying. Yes, you know, I've been building community. To me, the world of co-work, my world in Rise and my world in my classroom weren't that different. 
your classroom looks different, but the, the mechanism of the, what's happening in the classroom is no different, right? It's all about creating a safe space where people, it doesn't matter who you are walking through the door. It doesn't matter what your values or views are, that you're welcomed and feel like, you know, you're valued and you're seen, valued, and heard. And so as a teacher, it was co-ed, right? But, uh, you know, as a businesswoman, it started very women-focused, but I'm excited to go back and really focus just in general about rebuilding community because, you know, you're right. We are more connected than ever before, but we're more disconnected than ever before. And that was even before the pandemic. And that is what I was so passionate about is that in-person building those human connections we live by the quote, we lived by the quote at Rise Collaborative of, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's a Jim Rohn quote. And I really think it matters, right? The people you see on a daily basis, the people you talk to on a daily basis, shape your reality. So how do we intentionally create a community that it's shaping your reality in such a cool, inspiring way where you, you know, where you think the impossible is possible, right? Because if you're around people like that, you, that's how big things like Elon Musk, what he's doing and, you know, what Apple, Steve, Steve Jobs did and just being really intentional about that. And so I did it with Rise and now I'm excited to do it uh, with Big White Sky, going back to the co-ed. You know, I always said at Rise, we're female focused, male friendly. Uh, you know, my boy students were always like, I can't believe you don't have a boys dreaming big. And I was like, look, it's not personal. It's just, you know, a focal point for a hot minute. But yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Eric, that there's a lot of transferable uh, skills that I've been honing for the past 10 years, if you will. That's awesome. Well, you know, the uh, Jim Rohn quote reminds me, I've said this to a couple of people recently, but um, uh, gosh, I wish I could remember who said, uh, said it, but um, someone that I read, they said, the mind is like a garden and yeah. whether you choose to be the gardener or not, something's going to grow there. And yeah. communities and businesses and any number of places, something will grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in social media, uh, there will be some sort of behavior, positive or negative, you know, whether uh, you want corn and tomatoes to grow because you, uh, whether you as the user or you as the creators of the social media um, have chosen to cultivate it, you know, yeah. corn begets more corn, uh, tomatoes beget more tomatoes. But if you don't cultivate this thing or if you're not intentional, same thing with your mind, uh, same thing with your family or yeah. your business you will uh, uh, reap the, the, the rewards of, of weeds and weeds beget more weeds. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of alignment there. So I'm curious. Well, I to you, it reminds me of, um, there's a co-working space in St. Louis Tech Artista and I often give them credit, Eric, I'm blanking on his last name, uh, one of the co-founders. He told me early days, he's like, Stacey, if you don't define your community, your community will define you. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Like, it, you know, and I love that quote. If you don't come define your community, your community will define you. And I think it's so important to think about that. I yeah. I completely agree. I I've, I've worked on brands where they were focusing on specific demographics and because they weren't pointing out the other side of the demographics, they were labeled as a specific thing. Now they, they could be as open and honest and heartfelt as possible, but if they didn't take the time to define themselves against the misnomer, yeah. they're sunk. Totally. 
people are going to fill in the gaps. We're hardwired to fill in the gaps if there are gaps. And so you want to control the narrative and fill the gaps in for everyone and help steer the ship in the direction you want to go. I have a bad habit of mixing all the metaphors and phrases all into one. My husband always makes fun of me for that. So you're <laughs> so in good company that. for that. Like it, it, I am, I am one to do the same. Eric good. will tell you. Yes. Love it. I, I can recall being in a meeting, a big white sky and someone saying, uh, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's start, good. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, so you're on, at least at the time of this recording, uh, officially day two. You know, we <laughs> roped you into uh, one or more long meetings before you even officially started. Um, and, you know, you have, I think, a lot of things on your plate with having uh, you know, wound down rise recently and other things going on. So, uh, as far as you can see on, uh, on day two, you know, are there certain things that you're looking forward to doing, uh, or learning about that big white sky? Just, uh, what, what, uh, perhaps another way to ask it is what, what brought you here? Yeah. You know, I love that because something that a lot of people don't know is, in 2016, I was raising capital, right? I launched my party, I launched my business in 2015. Part of the delay in getting open was how stinking hard it is to raise capital, especially going from high school math teacher to opening up a 6,000 square foot you know, space. Investors are like, you're going to do what? And why are you qualified to do that? So you know, part of our tactic was to have an investor party. And Big Wide Sky, Elliot and Jeremy at the time, were kind enough to let me hold that investor party in your all's office. So I really feel like Big Wide Sky has been there from the beginning of my journey into you know starting a real company and growing it and scaling it, and have known Elliot and Jeremy since then. They've gotten to watch me sort of evolve, and I can remember so many times I'd run into those guys and we'd have conversations, and I would leave thinking, if I could just spend my day talking to these guys, I'd be the happiest. I mean, they're so interesting and intellectual and fascinating. And, you know, I'm a math nerd at heart. So talking about these like interesting ideas and theories, it just lights me up. So I can remember thinking it'd be so cool to be able to spend more time with these guys because they're fascinating. Uh, and then fast forward here, I'm ready for my next chapter in life and business and getting to reconnect with Elliot and learn where you all are and as a business and all the cool things you have done and all the amazing things you look to do and thinking, this is amazing. I get to take all my skills that I've learned through the years and, and help, help be a part of it. Obviously, you all are well on your way, uh, but it's neat to feel like, look, scaling a company from St. Louis to Denver was a big leap, You know, especially when you don't have an MBA or you've ever done anything like that. How do you know how to scale and grow a company when you've never done it, let alone to a city you had never been in before 2018? So you can only imagine the growing pains of that scaling and growing process. I did it through brute force, which I would not recommend, but that's all I knew at the time. So I was like, well, we're just going to, I'm going to figure it out. We're just going to do it messy and ugly, but we'll get it done. And now I feel like I've matured enough as a business person to know how to scale and grow a company without just straight brute force, doing it through systems and processes and all the things it takes to scale and grow a company. And what I love is potentially I get to be a part of helping Big Wide Sky to scale and grow and helping other CEOs through all those hard, hard learned lessons instead of that just happening and me just saying, ah, it was hard. Now I'm never going to get to use it. Right. I get to impart that knowledge and wisdom uh, for others to not have to have such a messy, painful road. 
Well, you certainly, uh, you know, between your education and your experience and then just your natural inclinations uh, have a lot of things to bring to the team here and the organizations that we work with. And so I can well imagine that as uh, you are able to integrate and synthesize some of the specialties that the organization has, that there will be a really strong marriage and some really interesting outcomes there. Of course, you know, the, the future uh, remains to be seen, but fortunately, future studies happens to be a specialty of the organization. So right? we can work to chart our course uh, toward preferred futures rather than just possible futures or, or unseen futures together. Yeah. And, you know, when I talked to Elliot about, you know, you guys had that sales summit on Wednesday or was it Wednesday? And I had the good fortune mm -hmm. attending. Yep. I left even more fired up because what I heard, let's see if I heard it correctly. But what I heard is, you know, CEOs, founder CEOs and CEOs, you know, they are who they are because they are, they have these beautiful visions and they think in a way that's so different than the average Joe, right? And, and mm -hmm. That's what gets the whole thing started. But what I know through my own experience is then you start having, you're running your business and you have the CFOs and the CEOs, which are all very important and, and the HR and all these people now playing a role. And sometimes it can beat you down and take you off course, right? And that magic special sauce that started the whole party is starting to dim and that light's starting to dim. And, and what, what I took from our sales summit is that big white sky gets to come on in you know, work with those CEOs and and reignite that vision and, and get them back on track uh, and get them focused on a beautiful vision that they are so magical at coming up with, right? And that's very exciting for me because I've been in their shoes. I know the pains that they're feeling and I get to help them solve that. I think it's pretty, really awesome what Big White Sky does for CEOs uh, because when, when a CEO is able to lean into what makes them who they are, that's where the real beauty happens. I mean, when you let Elon Musk be Elon Musk, but you give the scaffolding around him, uh, I think that's great. And it's so yeah. natural that CEOs go off course sometimes because of all the, those external things pulling them in the different places that we get pulled. Yeah. Well, I think some of what you were saying gets back around to something you said earlier. There's a quote, and I'm sure I'm not going to get it correct, uh, but it's something like uh, he or uh, a person with a why can withstand any how. Um, and for an organization, you know, uh, I, I I can definitely understand that in for many people your job is not necessarily the, the top priority in your life, but you're going to spend a lot of time uh, doing your job around your coworkers, talking to them, working with your clients or whatever the, the exact uh, situation is. And to feel some alignment with the why of the organization and the why of the people around you um, as much as you reasonably can within any community, but you know, to have a community and to have a purpose is uh, valuable and I believe uh, allows organizations to produce at um, uh, produce more value than they otherwise could if there was no al alignment around that why and a little sense of community. But 
And know, I think companies I, are starting to realize that. You know, look, I, I think that there, you know, I think of Bob Chapman, who um, mm-hmm. has uh, blanking on his company. He's amazing. Uh, he's in St. Louis guy. Uh, he spoke on a panel that I was on, and I, he has written a book about all this. And he talks about how you spend more time with your coworkers than your family, and what you feel at work and, and what you experience at work impacts your family because you bring it home, right? And so he was very cutting edge with his company, really thinking about his company like a family and human. But I think a lot of companies ha- weren't there yet and still aren't there yet, right? But I think the beauty of the the pandemic, as painful as it was, it's forcing companies to realize things that they were slow, some of the companies were slower to realize. So I'm really excited about Big White Sky's timing because I think people are going to be more open than ever before to understand that we are humans and we have, you know, kids and life and all these things that are going to, that we can't work like a factory anymore. And the companies that are getting it are going to continue to take off and the companies that aren't are going to be left behind. And so I think the timing of it all due to what happened with it, I think the pandemic sped that up. I don't think people, it would have taken us a lot longer to learn those lessons, but I think we were on that path. And obviously Bob Chapman was ahead of his curve, ahead of the time, I should say. Yeah, I agree with you. And I know that uh, Dan will say it when he uh, tells us that it's time to wrap up. But for anybody listening, or if anybody is watching me here and it looks like I have a broken nose, I don't have a broken nose. I got I got attacked by a branch. For anybody just listening to us, um, imagine a Band-Aid on my nose. Um, before we uh, wrap up, Dan will let you know all of this, but I'll say it now, um, that if you're interested in community, in vision, in why in your organization, then even if it's just for a discussion or even if it's to point you to resources, uh, reach out to Big White Sky. Dan will give you the information. But um, as Stacy said, uh, and as I agree, I do think that um, there, there have been a number of places in life in which uh, people have reassessed what's important to them or why things work the way that they do, why things aren't working, uh, what direction we're on. Um, and that, when we're lucky, is a place that Big White Sky works quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I, I've always appreciated Big White Sky's willingness to work with those companies and really humanize the aspects that they may need help with or want to change or add. Uh, as far as contacting us goes, like Eric was talking about, it is bigwidesky.com slash talk dash with dash us. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look at me go, Eric. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations. Well, Dan, uh, I, I suppose in the, the interest of uh, driving towards put, putting a bow on this thing, Dan did mention that he has seen at least one movie, Stacy. Um, <laughs> you know, there, uh, you can name a movie. Dan has probably not seen it. Dan, uh, we might have talked about this on a prior episode, but how about this one? Um, Goonies. I have not seen Goonies, no. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a cult classic, right, of my childhood. I Yeah, I I get it. I just, I haven't seen a lot of 80s movies, and there's a lot of people that were born in the 80s or the 70s or wherever yeah. that uh, 
for whatever reason, I just, I missed out on a lot of those movies. I was born in the nineties. So. I've, oh, well that makes sense. If you were born in the nineties, I would not go back and watch the eighties movies. See, <laughs> see. I, I and yet, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Missed out on Goonies and I'm going to judge you a little bit, right? If you're, if you were born in the eighties, these are cult classics that I would expect you to have seen. I very much appreciate that. I get I get a lot of flack for not having seen those movies. But now, if you're born in the '90s, why would you go back and watch those movies? They wouldn't even make sense to you. Yeah, I, there are certain movies that I have gone back on and watched and stuff like that, and it just doesn't make sense to some people. But it's like, yeah, yeah no, I, I I'm trying. I'm trying to go back and watch some of the movies. It's fine. You know, I can I can go back and watch Cocktail, and it's fine. <laughs> There we go. Uh, but if you would like to contact us, please email me at dan at bigwhitesky.com. Stacy, thank you so, so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. We're going to have you back for another episode of Human Ears where we continue to highlight uh, and really have a platform to discuss the culture uh, surrounding Big Wide Sky and what makes us more human. Wonderful. I look forward to coming back and having more conversation with you all. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Stacey. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you all for listening at home or watching us on YouTube. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.